What is up, guys? Welcome to Fit Body Secrets, formerly known as the Inner Athlete Podcast. I am super excited for uh, my first episode that is going to be published on a new platform and just really excited for a lot of things that are going to be coming up. This is going to be so hard for me to be a solo podcaster and actually talking to myself and looking at myself, but I'm going to try and make the most of it, which probably means I'm going to be bringing on more guests. So that's going to be more value for you guys. Uh, but today's episode was actually um, partly I tried to record it a couple days ago. If you're in my Facebook group, uh, which is Fit Body Secrets, if you're not already in there, jump in there. Um, I did kind of break this down and actually had this presentation there, but I actually wanted to put this on my actual podcast. And there were a couple of things I had messed up on. So I wanted to kind of just honestly give it to you guys straight up again and uh, kind of break down fat loss from a scientific perspective. Because honestly, guys, Fit Bodies, my biggest thing is I know most people join a gym they embark on a fitness journey because they have a goal of wanting to change how they look and how they feel or a combination of the two. It could even have, they could even have some basic underlying health issues that they're looking to improve. So wherever you are in the spectrum, whether you're trying to achieve, you know, aesthetic goals, athletic goals, or health goals, this is all relevant to you today. So today's, today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the metabolism uh, more importantly, giving you guys a scientific understanding of what's going on in your body when we do lose weight, when we gain weight, and uh, when we change our caloric needs and why that is, at the end of the day, the most important thing that we can control if our goals are to optimize how we look, how we feel, and how we perform in the gym. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, and I do have a little bit of a presentation for you guys, and I promise I'm going to get really good at this video format because I'm not comfortable with it yet. All right. So to start off, guys, I wanted to explain to you basically a little bit about where we get our caloric need numbers from. So maybe you are somebody who has plugged yourself into an online calculator. Maybe you've had a coach calculate your caloric needs, and maybe you've been completely confused because it doesn't make any sense based on what you know you're currently eating, right? So the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to break down what your total daily energy expenditure actually is a component of. And I will be honest, I put this presentation together on my own. So these uh, colors may be a little bit off in terms of how much or what percentage they're ranked, but I wanted to give you guys an understanding of where the big marbles are and where the little piece, pieces of sand are that actually make up your total daily energy expenditure. So number one, the majority of your calories are going to come from your basal metabolic rate. This is your body's needs at rest just to sustain life or what they would like to call keeping the lights turned on. So this is a number uh, based on your age, height, weight, also your lean muscle. So your lean tissue uh, and a lot of other things that might be going on, but it's basically just your body's needs to just do nothing, to literally lay in a bed, not think, not eat, not get up and use the bathroom. Um, pretend that you were kind of like laying in a hospital bed. That's what your basal metabolic needs are. This number can be affected by other factors that we're going to talk about later on. But I want you guys to understand that the majority of your calories are going to come from that. The next thing that the majority of your calories come from, or the next bigger percentage of the big marble, is going to be your non-exercise activity. So this is your NEAT. This is, this is what you do throughout the day. It's me right now. I'm talking to you guys. I'm using my hands. I'm actually kind of swaying my legs back and forth. Uh, all of those things, getting yourself ready for the day, feeding yourself, you know, going to the grocery store, all of those things are going to be your non-exercise activity. So if you're somebody who literally sits the majority of your day, your non-exercise activity is probably very low. Exercise activity is going to come from the things that you're doing in the gym. 
and I think people put a lot of emphasis on this, but it actually is not a huge percentage of your overall needs unless you are an athlete. So let's just say you're a CrossFit Games athlete, you're training four or five hours a day, uh, then that is going to have a factor in that. And so for the most, most important thing to understand there is that exercise activity does play a factor, but it's not the whole picture. And then the last one is one that people don't often think about, but the thermic effect of feeding. And this is basically the amount of calories that you're going to expend or the energy you're going to expend just to break down food. So when you actually eat, your body has to break that food down with digestion. And so it's really important to understand that that does have a factor in your caloric needs. So people that eat a lot of food also have to burn through a lot of calories to break that food down. This is where eating little is not always the right thing. We are going to kind of talk more about that as we get going. So basically I wanted to understand is that total daily energy expenditure is a measure of, or in addition of your basal metabolic rate, non-exercise activity, exercise activity, and then the thermic effect of feeding. Now, when it comes to that calorie number, the total daily energy expenditure, which, which pitch which, you know, puts out, this is how many calories you need to sustain your life is your body is always trying to find balance. It is always trying to regulate the energy in with the energy out. So the best analogy I honestly had come up with when I was talking about this in my Facebook group is pretend you have like a cup and the cup has a hole in the bottom of it and water is leaking out of the cup. And let's just say that you're putting water in as the water is coming out and it's kind of making that level stay exactly even on top. It's always staying full. That is calorie maintenance in, in essence. Everything is kind of being regulated pretty normally. If you are in calorie maintenance optimally, everything will be working really, really well. Hormones, um, your digestive tract, your, your brain's functioning normal, you've got enough extra energy to you know, work out the way that you're capable of in the gym, all those things. That's, that's something that's optimizing their calorie needs based on their energy expenditure. So essentially, you've got the calories in, calories being taken in, and the calories out are even. So you've probably heard people talking about calories in, calories out. That's all that matters. Well, there, there is more that matters than that, but that is essentially at the end of it all, what the body is trying to create. So if you're like, I don't know why I'm not losing any weight and you are tracking your food accurately, um, you're weighing things out, you're, you're not missing things and you're not seeing any changes it means that you are at calorie maintenance for whatever reason, even if going back to this number, it does not line up. Now, when we have a calorie surplus, that means that we're taking in more food than we're expending. So what's happening in this state is that that cup is actually the, the, the hole in the bottom, the water is leaking out slower then the water is going in. So there's going to be an overflow. Now I want you to think of like a water balloon and the water balloon is going to expand to make room for the extra water going in, right? So this is what happens when we gain weight. Now that weight doesn't always have to be body fat. It's not just body fat. That is one tissue that weight gain is also going to be some glycogen stores. So if you're in a calorie surplus and you're an athlete, Sometimes it's going to be good to top off those energy stores for performance. It can also be some lean muscle tissue. So in order to build muscle, uh, having a calorie surplus is how we do that. We are building tissue. 
Um, so there is a combination of things that that calories or that, that weight gain is going to be reflected of. If you are trying to build muscle, your goal is honestly going to be minimizing how much body fat you're putting on and really tapping into high glycogen storage and high muscle tissue. So we'll talk more about that later, but what I want you guys to understand about the calorie surplus is that the calories in are more than the calories out. That balloon is expanding. That cup is overfilling. What most people are looking for is fat loss, weight loss. And so what we're seeing here is that the amount of energy going out is weighed more than the energy in. So now that cup that at maintenance, the water was trickling in at the same rate at calorie surplus, the water was overfilling. Now the cup is emptying faster than it's being filled. So now we're seeing that the amount of energy in is actually being less. And so when I say energy, this is not just the calories you're eating. This is also the energy stored. This is going to be some of your body fat, some of your glycogen stores, a little bit of your lean tissue. Um, but we are seeing that the calories out are out are, are weighed heavier than the calories in. Now, here's where things can kind of get washy. And I don't even know if I have a picture on this, so I'm not going to scroll ahead. Okay. Our body is always trying to maintain homeostasis. So when it comes down to this is your body is going to adapt to the amount of energy available. And this is where this ends up getting changed. And people don't understand that this is what, what people used to know of as starvation mode is really not starvation mode. It's not that you can't lose weight because you're not eating enough. It's that your body is adapting to the amount of energy that you're feeding it. So when we are here, our body is going to start to change the things going out. So in your non-exercise activity, you're likely not going to notice some small changes. Things like you might blink a little bit less. You might not fidget as much. You might not realize it, but you're just sluggish and you're not motivated to do the things that you used to have fun doing like, or didn't mind doing like when you would go to the grocery store, you were cool parking way back. And now all of a sudden you're looking for that spot that's right up front. You know, your, your body is going to start to slow down in areas that it can save energy on when those things are exhausted. It is going to go to things that are in that BMR that aren't necessarily required for life. And this is where people can run into issues with hormones, with women, with their period, men, with their testosterone levels, all of those things, those reproductive hormones that are more accessory. We don't need them to live. We need them to reproduce. Your body's going to start to slow those things down. Um, even sleep will be affected. So your body's ability to recover, your body's not worried about you building lean muscle tissue and recovering from your training. It's its goal is like to keep digestion going. Its goal is to keep your, your lungs functioning, your heart pumping blood and all of those types of things. So what happens is those things start to slow down. So this number that you started with, let's just call it 2000 calories. Now you're feeding it 1600 calories because you're trying to lose weight. Your body's new calorie maintenance is eventually going to go down unless you can really fight and keep the exercise activity up. And you've seen these people. They are the ones that start off going to the gym for 45 minutes. And that goes to 90 minutes. Now they're in for a second session and you watch them. They continue to lose weight. However, that is not sustainable long-term. 
eventually they're not going to be able to keep up. Eventually the energy in is going to keep adapting the metabolism and the energy out they're not going to always be able to keep going down. Eventually this is going to start to go back, back down. And this is not going to go anywhere. They're going to be basically adapted to that low number of calories. So it's really important to find the fine tuning number that works and watching for adaptations. We don't want our body to adapt. Essentially all adaptation really is, is your body trying to be more energy efficient. The more energy efficient you are, the less calories your body needs. Now, for some people, that might not always be a bad thing. They might actually not like eating a whole bunch. And as long as they're not seeing any negative effects from a hormonal or body optimization perspective or a performance perspective, that might not be the wrong thing. Uh, but for most people, their lifestyle does afford them the need for a little bit more calories for being able to go out socially, you know, and all those types of things. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know that they're like, they're either all in on a diet or they're all out because they don't, their body, they don't know how to actually be able to eat the amount of food that feels good to them. It's either way too much or way too little. And this is a common problem. And it's mostly because a lot of dietary strategies that people try are not focused on understanding the scientific numbers and, and this it's always even calorie diet, calorie focused diets are always extremes. It's never starting from where is this person at? Where is their metabolism at right now? It's why I no longer call my intake form an intake form. I call it a metabolic assessment. I want to know where this person is at. And that is the first goal that I, or the first thing that I do with all of my clients, we want to make sure that we know where their metabolic rate is, how many calories they're burning throughout the day. So we know, Hey, like in order for you to lose weight, we have to keep going down or you might need to go up and then come down. And we we're going to talk more about that as we get going. So main thing to understand is that your total daily energy expenditure is going to adapt when we actually make, whether it's intentional or non-intentional changes from our calorie maintenance. We can adapt up, we gain weight, we can adapt down, we lose weight. So as I kind of mentioned already, basically metabolic adaptation is really just our body's way of making us more energy efficient. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the, the little photo I have if you're listening to on the podcast, you can, I, maybe I'll just put the link to my little spreadsheet here or my little, uh, slideshow in there for you guys. So kind of going on, cause this is really important because I know most people are like, all right, I would love to be able to eat more food and lose weight. Even if they don't say that because they're afraid of it at the end of the day, that is amazing, right? To be able to say, I don't even feel like I'm dieting because I have enough calories to be able to eat what I want to eat. And I don't feel like I'm being restricted. So just like metabolic adaptation happens it in, in one way, which is the way that most people are familiar with, um, you know, they're used to either adapting in fat storage or adapting in, they lose weight and then their body adapts the number of calories. We can actually reverse that. And this is what people would know of as like a reverse diet. So, um, it's basically where let's just say a person has been chronically dieting and, started off, they were not tracking anything. They were probably eating 27 to 3,300 calories a day. They decided to go on a 1200 calorie diet. 
We'll talk about why that's bad in a second. They drop it all the way down and their body adapts and they can't lose weight anymore. So they drop it lower and they keep dropping it lower. We can reverse that, but it's a process and it takes time because if we don't do it in the right way, it's going to end up looking like this adaptation, which is not what we want. So the goal really is, is we want our body to kind of play catch up a little bit. So essentially it's, let's just say, and these are very generous numbers, but let's just say in the top left here, you see calories in is 1600 calories out is 1600. Our body has adapted to that. So let's just say beforehand, it was like 2,400, right? If we slowly bring calories up, so let's just say we bring them up to 1800 calories. Now your body's not all of a sudden going to adapt right away to that. It might, but chances are it's going to store a little bit glycogen, maybe a little bit of body fat, it, but usually what will happen is hyper responders will start to move more. They'll start to just naturally increase their non-exercise activity. Maybe they are hitting the gym a little harder. Intensity goes up in the gym. Um, and then probably, or that's where we'll start to see some positive changes in, I shouldn't say probably, <laughs> this is why this is not cool doing this on, on video, by the way. Um, but we'll probably see that now the BMR will start to go up a little bit too. Like hormones will start to kind of work a little bit better. The, the body is releasing energy a little bit better. So we want this. So as it adapts, energy goes up and now our body has adapted to 1800 calories. Cool. Let's try and go to 2000 calories. And the whole time we're doing this, we're monitoring changes in biofeedback, energy, digestion, mood, mental focus, sleep, all those things, but also watching the weight. Cause we don't want to see the weight flood, you know, jump up crazy. The goal isn't to have you guys gain a bunch of body fat because body fat is also a non-desirable adaptation. So we're trying to prevent that at all costs, but we're slowly bringing calories up. We're watching. Let's just say we get this person up to 2,200 calories and we can keep going from here. How do you know when you have got back to a good TDEE for your body? Obviously calculators are a great place to start, right? So we, we never want to be too far off of where that calculator would put if you're using an, an accurate formula. And we don't want to start crazily changing our energy expenditure through exercise. We want to kind of know, this is my life. This is how I like to live. This is about, this is about the amount of activity that I can get on a regular basis. Um, so we want to match that with this, but how do you know when you're done? Okay. How do you know when you're actually truly in a reverse and you're like, this is good for me. Yes. Like I said, all the science stuff matters. Your, your body's functioning well, all that stuff. Number two though, is does the amount of food you're eating actually make you feel satisfied, allow you to go out socially and not feel too restricted, allow you to actually perform the way you want to in the gym. And are you getting comfortably hungry before meals, but never starving? And are you okay with that hunger? Meaning do you feel like you're starving all the time? I could also go into for some people in severe metabolic adaptation, they may have no hunger cues. Their leptin has gotten so resistant that they don't even, they're not even getting those signals anymore. So we want to have hunger cues that are normal. We don't want to have them so blunt that we never get hungry. We don't want to have them to where we're starving all the time. We want to have that comfortable hunger. That's really where it comes down to. This is the individual part of it. it this is the non-scientific part of it. This is the, hey, how do you actually feel? And it also comes down to, you know, all of this process, the best way to do it is with accurate tracking and really keeping everything under 
full grasp. But at the end of the day, when you get to maintenance and a true maintenance, you should not have to track so religiously and so diligently. You should be able to relax a little bit and honestly be in pretty, pretty intuitive with what your body needs. And I will be honest that there are a lot of different rabbit holes that can go down on this whole situation because when we are in the reverse, it is also very important. They're bringing macronutrients up in the right balance, you know, cause as I'm talking about intuitive eating, I don't want people to think that we intuitively are going to just eat the right things. The macronutrient balance of your reverse actually really matters for teaching you that. And maybe I should just create a whole podcast on that because the main thing that I want you guys to understand today, and I want to go off on that tangent is like, you gotta be, you, at some point you have to be okay learning how to fucking eat, excuse my language, but you have to be okay with that. Like, why is that such a bad thing? Why is it the only time people care about their nutrition is when they are trying to lose weight. And I had this conversation with a good friend this morning, this morning, who has been going through her own issues with some other issues in terms of health. And she's like, it just never occurred to me how people don't pay attention to nutrition unless it's a vanity thing or an aesthetic thing. Guys, nutrition is so much bigger than that. And I know that your goal is you want to look a certain way, you want to feel a certain way, but when it comes down to it all, if you are optimizing your body's ability to live and to perform and to do all these things, the fat loss is easy. And I honestly think that's why people that have never dieted before are so successful on their first diet because they typically, they don't have anything to go by. They don't have any negative, negative feedback to remember their body doesn't, hasn't adapted to anything. It's, it's, it's why the first time should hopefully be your last time. So a little bit about that metabolic adaptation. Now, as I kind of mentioned a little bit, and I'm going to kind of, you know, kind of close out this episode on this, because I think this is really important too, um, is that a lot of people that maybe have friends that have went on detoxes, um, even like super low carb diets, all of these different things, right? They typically will associate weight loss and fat loss. And I'm going to really push you guys to understand that rapid weight loss is not fat loss because my goal for everybody that's listening to this podcast is to feed you guys to get the results that you want, not to starve you guys, not to make you guys so adapted that you can't eat anything without gaining weight. Okay. So if we drop calories drastically, our body is going to adapt drastically to that. Your body is very, very adaptable. Okay. So if you truly want to understand what it looks like to get leaner, which is, I know what people want. They want to look lean. They want to see some definition. They want to feel better. I want you to understand that weight loss and fat loss are two very different things. So as much as I know, we need to use a scale as a metric. We also need to look at other things. So our body weight is composed of your lean mass, which is bone, muscles, and organs, body fat, water, along with our ingested food. So how many of you guys can relate to you weigh yourself first thing in the morning? And then at nighttime, your weight is like up five pounds. That's me. Okay. Because I eat a lot throughout the day. Those are all measures of your weight that are not related to your body composition, which is honestly what most people should be concerned about more. Your body fat percentage is a much 
better idea or better understanding or better metric, I should say, of your overall health. And your body fat percentage is a measure of your fat-free mass and your fat mass. And I say fat-free mass because it is not just muscle. It goes into the lean mass that I focus on on the left-hand side, which is bone muscle organs. Your fat-free mass is anything that is not body fat. So I want you guys to understand that, especially if you're using things like the in-body as a measure, that when you're seeing that your fat-free mass goes up, that doesn't mean your body must or your muscle tissue went up that much. That is a measure of your fat-free mass. It's water, it's other things. So if you're overhydrating yourself before you go into those, you're going to look leaner than if you are dehydrated, just to give you a little bit of an understanding of how to cheat the system if you want to win a challenge. Okay. And so it's your body fat percentage is your fat-free mass and your fat mass. So essentially if a person weighs a hundred pounds and they have 20 pounds of body fat and 80 pounds of lean mass, they would have a 20% body fat. Not that anybody weighs hundred pounds out here. If you're 20, if you're 200 pounds and you're 160 pounds of fat-free mass and 40 pounds of fat mass, you are 20% body fat. So we're looking to, if we go back to the cup analogy, think of the cup being full of pebbles, organs, sand, muscle, water, fat. We'll just keep it simple. We're taking out some of that fat and we're adding in some of that muscle and probably some other things. So that's what I want you guys to understand because the goal isn't how fast can you lose weight? It is how fast can you lose fat and losing body fat takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort your body has to essentially break down 3,500 calories of energy. That means you have to be in a calorie deficit that is going to afford for your body to keep activity up. So it's not going to adapt. You don't want to adapt enough to give it. So you want to be feeding it enough, giving it enough energy that it's not going to adapt, but it's going to release stored energy. And this is where it's not just a calories in calories out thing, because there are a lot of other hormonal things that are going to change other things that are going to affect that ability. So it's really important to stay consistent and keep going long-term and controlling the controllables, which is honestly, what are you doing for activity and how much are you eating? So as I had kind of mentioned, just to kind of explain this to you in, in simpler terms, just a little demo, or I should say a diagram. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see this. If you're listening to on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see it, but that 200 pound male, 22% body fat, I kind of had broken down you actually on the left-hand side, if you lost 14 pounds in four weeks, your body fat percentage would stay exactly the same if you lost it in four weeks, because you're losing only about three pounds of fat-free mass. And you're losing a lot more of that fat. I'm sorry, fat-free. So your fat mass to fat-free mass is not going to be equal. So let me rephrase this again. This is so hard doing this on, on YouTube guys. I'm trying to get used to this, um, but I will get used to it. And I'm going to be honest, you guys, you know, they don't censor shit. So it is what it is. So going back into this analogy that I have on the YouTube guys is if I have a 200 pound male and they're 22% body fat, that means their fat free mass is 156 pounds and their fat mass is 44 pounds on the left-hand side. You can see if he lost 14 pounds in four weeks, his fat free mass is 145. So we actually lost 11 pounds of fat free mass, but only three pounds of actual fat. This is important because if you look on the opposite side of things, and this is going to make sense if you are watching this, not if you're listening to it, um, is let's just say that same 200 pound male only lost six pounds in four weeks. So 14 pounds versus six pounds. 
if you're looking on the scale, you're going to be like, oh, that sucks. You know, if you're comparing yourself to somebody else that lost 14 pounds, that sucks. Right. But if you look at the change in his body composition, his body fat percentage went down one and a half percent. He lost an actual five pounds of body fat and only one pound of lean mass. So which do you think is going to give you more uh, favorable desired results? You want to look leaner. You want to lose body fat. You don't really care about how much water and waste you're losing. You care more about how much body fat you're losing. And that's what matters more. So that's what I wanted to kind of show you guys to kind of make sure that you understood um, that. And it goes the same if you're going in reverse. Like I said, everything can have in a reverse. And I have in here the exact opposite for those people out there. They're like, oh, I'm trying to get stronger and they're trying to get bigger and they're trying to put on a bunch of weight. You don't want to put on weight too quickly because then you're just putting on unnecessarily body fat. So on the, on the left-hand side, the male that gains 14 pounds in four weeks, yeah, he's going to gain weight. He's going to have his glycogen source type tapped off. So it's going to feel amazing in the gym, but he's also putting on a lot of unnecessary body fat. Whereas the other person that does it a little bit slower can still top off glycogen stores, source, be at calorie maintenance, maybe a slight calorie surplus and putting on weight a little bit slower. He's going to have a lot better results. So that was the last thing there. So guys, overall overarching theme today that I want you guys to get out of today's podcast is slow and steady wins the race. And the goal really is to prevent adaptation as much as you can to keep your body losing body fat and not adapting to the changing calories. So a couple of tips that I'm going to give you guys, honestly, is if you do not track food as a metric, or if you don't take a scientific approach to your, pro, uh, to your progress on the scale, in the mirror, in the gym, all of those things, you are playing a guessing game and likely going to adapt a lot quicker than you'd like to. If you take the time and you put the effort into doing it the right way, calculating things, keeping metrics, all those types of things, you are going to see a lot longer results, a lot longer progress, and honestly be able to really prevent any of the negative effects that happen when we do lose weight because weight loss isn't easy on our body. That's it, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, welcome to the new Fit Body Secrets podcast, and I'm excited for what's to come.